on one hand, you're like, yes, this could open the occult demons, you know, things coming into Roger Plain. On the other hand, it's just a board game. You can buy it at Target. Like it's not, you know, evil in any way. And so it's, you know, that's the kind of draw of it, I think. Yeah, it's innocuous. It's accessible evil, right? Um, oh, so, I always like accessible evil. Accessible evil. Um, and so that's our new punk rock band, Accessible Evil. One, two, three, four. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide, Disco Citizens, the podcast where gorehounds and best friends Terry Gamble and Julia Marchesi break down a different horror movie each week, exploring a multitude of genres, subgenres, and sub-subgenres, classic and cult, international and underground flicks alike, determining which films are the goriest, and offering up horror movie survival guide tips to, to help, help you stay alive. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. Disco Citizens, I am Julia. And I'm Terry. Welcome, guys. Welcome. Let's talk about 2016's or Ouija Origins of Evil. Title of this episode, It's Just a Stupid Game. Tagline for this movie, when you talk to the side, when you talk to the other side, you never know who will be listening. This was written by Jeff Howard and Juliet Snowden, or based on characters by the other uh, films, and then directed by Mike Flanagan. Who also helped write it. Um, I have not seen the other Ouija movie, so this was the only one I've seen. And I, I normally that would drive me crazy, as you know. I always watch things in order, but this is a prequel, so I was like, okay, it's fine. I haven't missed out on what the actual one is. I am so glad we got to skip it. I have tried to watch Ouija a couple times. I'm sure I'll finish it at some point, but this was already better from the very beginning. So I'm going to give a shout out to Mike Flanagan for being an awesome director. And already starting this one off with a freaking bang. So great yeah, work, my for, friend. For for me, it, uh, you know, as for us as film nerds, just seeing the old Universal logo at first, I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Like this is, you know, I'm already on board, right? And it's like, oh, you're in LA in 1967. Thumbs up. I'm on board. Also, like the time that you want to know about LA, that's like that wild, wild time, like Manson family. Like there's a lot of fun things happening around this era that I just love to uh, dive into a lot of creepy fun things people having these swinging parties and getting into the occult in a whole nother er way in this era as well so I feel sure. like there's it's prime for a lot of those things right so uh, we meet our, our family so we have the Xanders we have Elizabeth Reeser Annalise Basso and Lily Wilson and we open on her the mom another the Twilight uh, actor uh, getting a little crossover oh, here yeah, I know we yeah. always say we want to talk about Twilight but we get we get another wonderful Twilight actor she's uh, Esme right Esme mm-hmm yeah. Uh, of Renesame. <laughs> She's the uh, Esme of Renesame. Uh, I was excited to see Annalise Rasso as well because she is an Oculus. And as you know, I am a huge Oculus fan. So I was like, hey, girl from Oculus. That's and Henry excited. Thomas, who we love as I well. Didn't, yeah, I didn't know he was in. I got really excited when I saw Henry Thomas. Like, it's uh -huh. always a good surprise when you see Henry Thomas also in Dr. Sleep, which is yes. amazing. I was Mike so, Flanagan favorite Henry Thomas. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, so they are inviting you into the circle and uh, there's a, a dad and a, a daughter getting this reading. The daughter doesn't believe. Uh, they said they can ask three questions and it, you know, it's back and forth. And then She's like, why can we only ask three questions? She's like, she knows it's a scam. She's like, this is yeah. definitely like we're set up at this like, you know, psychic house of of, of falsehoods. Um, but we don't and, know but, in the beginning so, if it is or not, right? Right. But it feels sus, especially the way she's acting about it. And um it is like, why are we only asking three questions? Why would we only get three if we're here to do a reading and go deeper or find out more? So it's an older gentleman and his like adult daughters. So just want to make sure that that's clear. So it's like he's, you know, clearly had a wife that's passed on and the daughter's like, you know, trying to get them out of there. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, a ghost ends up coming, screaming into the room, scaring them. Uh, and they not, mom doesn't take the money uh, because she, she feels bad about what happened because it is a scam. And her daughter, Lena, went out of control and, and, and went too hard with her role because she didn't like those people. Well, not just that she didn't like the people, it's her, she took the cue from her mom because basically we understood that the the adult daughter was trying to um, scam the dad out of money. So it was like a scammer trying to scam. And they were like, they didn't like, they didn't think that that scam was honorable because it was literally trying to get him out of like some sort of life savings, essentially, to help her with the home. And so they just were like, no, no, no. Um, and Lena says that she's like basically a righteous scammer. Right. And she's like, uh, uh-uh, right. what she wanted wasn't great. We shouldn't support that. So that's why they, she went extra hard to scare them out of there. And uh, when when uh, the little girl, uh, Doris, asked about being a scam, she's like, well, we're not a scam because we give people closure and we're helping them heal. And so this is something that even though it is technically a scam, you're in her mind, she's rationalizing it in this way. Uh, but it's a little showmanship. Uh, so, but their mom is angry at Lena because they really needed that money because their father has died and they are behind in money. And so this is why she's been forced into doing this is what she's doing. Yeah. It's kind of the only thing that she knows. We find out later on that her mother was also, you know, was a medium and kind of had the sight, so to speak. And so it's kind of the thing she was raised doing. So it's just like, what do women do in the sixties when you, you know, don't have a man anymore and you don't, you don't have your own bank account, essentially. Like there's a lot of issues that can happen when you're a widow. Um, and so she's, you know, you see her pouring over her bills at night and all that kind of stuff too. So you just get that they're really in a tight spot. Um, but also, you have Lena who's dealing with being a teenager and having a crush on a boy and like also having that part of it. And Doris also, you know, just really wants to talk to her dad. So she prays to her dad at night instead of God um, and, you know, has these like very sweet, wishful things that she wants to really connect with him. Um, so you see each one of them kind of contending with the death in different ways of the desperation of their mom, Alice, versus, you know, the sadness um, of Doris versus the rebelliousness of Lena. So Lena sneaks out at night and goes out to a party with her friends and uh, mom, one of the friends' mom just bought an Ouija board. So let's play at the party. I like And the mom is out. So they are teens alone at a home uh, getting into shenanigans, drinking. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, baby. So we have rules. I always like when you set up the rules right nice and early so I can worry about those rules. Uh, never play alone. Never play in a graveyard. Always say goodbye. And you circle once for each player. Um, Pretty much nobody says goodbye in this movie. I don't know if anybody ever says goodbye. Like From <laughs> the first time they play it, I was like, oh, they already opened the pits of hell. I was like, oh, well, they've opened it and did not say goodbye. So they've just leaving the stream open. Um, and we find out they're going to break all the damn rules by the end of the movie. Right. Or they well, have been. Yeah. Now, it's interesting because I really like Ouija boards and I played them all through high school, all through junior high, all through college. Like they're, they're very fun to me and I really enjoy them. Um, but I have never played alone. Because that was always the rule. It's like, you don't ever play alone. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to. I feel like I'm, no. I'm good. Yeah, I've never played alone. I've never played at all. So there's that. I do have a Ouija board purse that people love and admire. Um, okay. But I've never actually uh, played Ouija. Well, I have an Ouija board. And we will play. We can play. I just don't have any. I just well, maybe don't be believe surprised. in ghosts. Sorry, kids. I, I'm sure I'll be surprised. I just don't believe in that. <laughs> Well, I have recently had a run-in for some ghosts, and I happen to know where those ghosts are. So if we wanted to have a party, I know where to have that party. Oh, my gosh. So anywho, so, so the kids mom, play, but they get caught. Yeah, mom shows up, and so they freak, and they don't say goodbye. Uh, oh, we have their little chant. I like the little chant, too. I've never done the chant. 
As friends we gather, hearts are true, spirits near, we call to you. So when we play, we can say that. Yeah. And when they kids play. And so, you know, they're all kind of like, yes, it's not true. No, it's not true. They're having a little fight about it. Um, and we find out, you know, that um, the boy that uh, Mikey that Lena has a crush on, um, they talk about going to homecoming together is like one of the questions on the board. Like, will they will she go to homecoming with him? And they're like, yes, um, give us a sign. And so they get a little sign. But the sign is that um, the, the other girl's mom shows up. So it's a problem. Um, so that's the sign. And then Lena gets in trouble and her mom has to come pick her up because she snuck out and it's bad. But she lets her mom know. But mom, instead of being fully upset about it, though, decides the next day that she's going to get herself a Ouija board. Yeah. I, and Mikey, our gentleman uh, who uh, comes to pick up Lena in the morning and uh, mama put the, puts the hurt on him. So, just so you know, I will fucking destroy you. Please oh yeah, she does her. like a palm read on his hand, like basically like this is your lifeline. <clears throat> Digs into it like, with her hand. That's good. <laughs> like, I will end you. I will end you if you do anything dishonorable to my daughter. Uh, and then we get our our Henry Thomas as a priest. Oh my God, Terry. Oh she, no, like, this is feeling very fleabag all of a sudden. Like hot, sexy priest. Like I mean, I, I'm all for it. You know, it's that it's that you know it's you always want what you can't have, right? That's the kind of. Uh, oh yeah forbidden fruit forbidden fruit yes um so father tom tom um speaks with mom and you know we find out that he you know actually had a wife before um and um she passed away though so they're both widowers but he's given himself wholeheartedly into the cloth um where uh uh alice has kind of gone the other direction where she's like all on the occult um side so it's a little bit of battle of like heaven versus the occult as well and so mom decides to buy one of these Ouija boards and try to rig up her own system to make it work. So she has a, a magnet system she's going to be using with her knees. But to test it, she has to play and she's playing alone. But she plays alone and she also does not say goodbye again. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, the problem with Ouija boards is it's, it's made by Hasbro. Right. And this movie is like based on a game made by Hasbro. This is made to sell these products. Right. Essentially. And that's why I think it's so amazing and why it's so dividing. It's like, on one hand, you're like, yes, this could open the cult demons, you know, things coming into other plane. On the other hand, it's just a board game. You can buy it at Target. Like, it's not, you know, evil in any way. And so it's, you know, that's the kind of draw of it, I think. Yeah, it's innocuous. It's accessible evil, right? Um, oh, so, I always like accessible evil. Accessible evil. Um, and so that's our new punk rock band, Accessible Evil. One, two, three, four. Um, and so um, while she's playing alone, though, she's not really playing alone because upstairs to complete the circle is her daughter, Doris, who actually does seem to have the sight that her um, that the grandmother probably had. Um, and while they're playing, all of a sudden she seems possessed by some spirit named Marcus. Um, and she's answering and saying stuff and Lena's in the room with her and her little sis is just talking in another voice and looking a little weird and she doesn't really seem to do much about it. And I'm, she seems nonplussed. And I was like, what? Did your brain just go Cthulhu out? Like I can't compute that. So I'm just not going to take it in my brain and I'm, it's too weird. Or like, what happened? I think with this too, is when you have the siblings in a horror movie, you always kind of think the other one's messing with you. So you wouldn't really take it seriously because brothers and sisters will go to far lengths to torture each other, right? And like, this is not unparalleled that you would do this. So I think it's just kind of a, a thing where she's like, eh, it's fine. So Doris goes and she plays alone. Uh, she wants to talk to her dad, of course. Uh, she also 
I like this very much of them kind of looking through the viewer of the planchette to see ghosts. I think that's very cool. And we're also living in this time where the planchette is glass. So I really like that we have the, the gag of her looking through the, the glass bit of the planchette to see the ghost. I think that's a fun idea to do something more tactical with the planchette than just having it do what you would normally think it would do. Um, and yeah. so when she says, who are you? She's like, oh, it's a friend. This is something. Fun. Hi, friend. Hi, friend. Yeah, because, well, the, the Ouija board comes back and says, hi, friend to her. Um, and so um, and it seems like the spirit is not only trying to connect with Doris, but it's trying to connect with Lena as well. And her comforter keeps getting pulled off of her body. But she's, you know, too sleep in her sleep to actually. Um, Mike Lenning, does a lot with sleep, huh? I mean, we all I feel like sleep. I think that's the fun of it, right? Is like this thing that everybody can relate to. Yeah, between like Oculus, between this, between Doctor Sleep, all of that. There's like, and before I wake, obviously, it's like all um, kind of sleep issues and stuff like that that people and are contending that with. That line between real and, and unreal as far as dreams go and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and where your mind's going to go and how you can connect to the spirit world in that limbo, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, um, so the Father spirit Thomas, decides to help. Yeah, despite, decides to help Doris with her homework. And uh, Father yeah. Thomas brings in uh, Alice and asks her if she's been helping her with her homework. And she says no. And all of a sudden, with Doris, this little kid's handwriting is now a total grain versus handwriting. So, it's, but it's also. She's writing in cursive because she has not had that class yet. She's still a little child. So they're like, uh, her handwriting is, does not look anything like her normal writing at all. And it looks like she cheated. And she said, I let her use my hand. You go, oh, that sounds no good. They come back to a foreclosure notice on the door. And they are very upset because obviously it's their house. But it's also, if there's any part of the dad left, it's in this house. So that's right. And the dad had wanted them to live there is what mom keeps saying. Like, dad wanted us to have this house. There's got to be a way he's got to have left of something to be able to stay here. And we learn here that he was hit by a drunk driver is what, what happened. So Doris hears some whispering and goes into a hole in the wall. And daddy guided her uh, through the board from the people from the time before is we have a giant envelope full of money. So ask and you shall receive. Yeah. So it feels like she's like created a miracle for herself. Like it's like, no, daddy showed me how to save our house. So this is I told you this is what I wanted. I wanted to connect with him. And I have. Um, and so um, you know, uh, mom and Lena are still skeptical about who she's actually talking to and how she was actually able to find it. So they decide, of course, to sit together at the Ouija board um, and try to connect with daddy. Um, and they ask questions. Uh, mom asks questions that only daddy would know the answers to. Um, and it answers correctly. And so mom is now convinced, oh, like I always thought that this was a scam that what we were doing, but it turns out my mom probably did have the site and now my daughter has the site. Maybe it just skips a generation. And that, now we can actually do what we were pretending to do before. So now it's everything comes around. I would like to say that I'm so happy that uh, my planning put Q marks in this movie. Uh, this movie, I don't, it was not on 35, but it was Q marks to make it feel like 35. And I feel like this make this whole movie is making it look like film. And I thought that's so cute. Thank you. I appreciate Aww. that. The film nerds like me go, yeah, Q marks. Aww, I love it. So um, uh, Lena goes to school and, you know, um, she feels like she's not cool, but Mikey thinks she's cool and ask her about homecoming and they end up, you know, setting up that they're going to go on the, on the date to homecoming. She's like, no, I'm not cool enough to go. And he's like, no, I thought you were too cool for it. She's like, no, I'm not too cool. I'm not cool at all. <laughs> they're really cute. And they look like they're about to kiss and father Tom, ah, uh, cuts her off. I was like, nah, man, Father Tom. 
but he has some serious stuff he wants to talk to her about. Um, and he's like, where's Doris? She's been missing from school for a few days. Usually your mom sends a note, but she's not here. turns out Doris has been conscripted into the family business and is now a child laborer. <laughs> yeah, she's now being a medium. Uh, and the, the, she doesn't even have to put her hands on the planchette. It just moves independently of her. Uh, and she's able to speak in these different voices. Um, and then she's so like, it tickles. Like she's like a little kid that's so excited that there's something else like speaking through her voice. Um, and when she looks at herself in the mirror, she sees a demon behind her, uh, which is no good at all. If I ever see, if I ever see that, I would lose my mind in a, like a Lovecraftian way. Like it would just be like twang and it'd be gone. Yeah, it's pretty scary. So this thing looks like a burnt up, like de demon from hell. Um, actually, that's been hanging out with her. So we realized, no, it's probably not daddy. It's something else. Um, well, and we learned earlier that it was named Marcus, right? So we knew it was not ever daddy, um, at least for her, um, but it was pretended to be. Um, and all of a sudden she swallows this like alien looking beast um, demon thing. Um, and uh, the spirits are about her in, in her neck and they are now take, take, to have taken over this very sweet child. Mm -hmm. That's how they get you. They're nice at first and then they're mm -hmm. shoving themselves down your throat. And they also try to whisper to Lena too, right? Yeah. And they try to get her involved, but she's just like, all of a sudden she has this fucked up dream where her mouth is all sewn up and gone. Mm -hmm. uh, then we have back at school, we have some bullies who are about to slingshot Doris, but she makes the kid slingshot himself in the face. Um, which is terrible, but also if you're a bully about to slingshot a kid, like, I don't really have a lot of mercy for you, to be honest. I had negative sympathy for him, which is unfortunate because he is a child, but also like, that's what you get for taunting like the weird kid, so to speak. It's like very Carrie in that moment sure. where I was like, oh, that's not the kid you probably want to fuck with, guys. Like, you, I know she's weird and you want to like squash that, but you probably need to just be gentle. And there's a difference between um, taunting someone and aiming a slingshot at their head. Like that's a, yeah, a rock level of something. <laughs> so um, now we have this scene where Alice is having dinner with Father Thomas, which is so unbearably cute that I couldn't even handle because they're clearly so into each other. And she's like, I, he's like, I can't, right? Like in another life, maybe, but I'm a priest. He's like, yeah, I've given myself to God and I'm a priest now. So sorry. But like, they're both widowers. They clearly have some bond. Um, and also while mom is out on this dinner, um, Lena decides to have Mikey over um, and tells Doris, you know, to keep it from mom, um, you know, about this. And, you know, they have a conversation about the spirit world is dangerous and stuff too. So there's a lot going on here. Uh, between mom and Doris and everybody. So Mike and Lena do kiss. Um, and she tells, of course, Doris not to tell a mom that she was there. Uh, on the way out, Doris tells has this incredible monologue about what it would be like to be strangled to death. And I would say that kid, uh, Lulu Wilson, filmed that monologue. She's, and I really, there was a part of me was like, is that the monologue they made kids do at the audition? Is that it? I hope they gave them a dummy one or something else. but. Um... That was intense, but also Flanagan has kids in like every movie mm -hmm. and they're always really intense and really good. So good work um, with these, yeah. these terrifying children. Yeah, his costume um, is on point, always. Yeah, um, but also um, I was like, why did Lena not walk him downstairs out the door? I was still like confused by that. I was like, if you're sending the boy away, like I know she was all flushed or whatever, but like, why wouldn't you escort him you would typically escort the guy to the door i don't usually be like okay bye if i'm a 14 year old or whatever like that's weird yeah. this is this is this is what happened so yeah 
we now have Doris who is writing. Like, did Doris make her send him by himself? Like, that's what I was wondering. That's possible. You know? Uh, We have some automatic writing going on, and Doris ends up writing a letter in Polish. So Doris, uh, I'm sorry, Lena takes it to Father Thomas to be like, hey, can you translate what these letters are? Uh, So he says that there's someone in the school that he, one of the nuns that he can have translate. And he comes by the house and is like, hey, how about that reading? Let's do it. Why not? Something different, you know? He's clearly investigating and he's going he you know, to give a report. So, he plays it off so well. Like you wouldn't. There's Well, he's a father. That's part of like, I feel like he's a little bit counselor because they have to take confession. I feel like that's part of like the, you know, the thing. Um, he's wanting to glean a little bit more information before he like shares exactly what he needs to share with them um, based on. And he has to test what this uh, what this information that he's gotten from the Polish handwriting. Um, so, yeah, uh, they do a reading with Doris, yes, with Father and, Tom. Yes, and uh, it's his trying to talk to his wife. So they ask him questions about his wife. And he's very neutral about it, right? He doesn't give anything away. And it's just like, oh, okay, that was very interesting. Thank you. And doesn't really talk about how he wants to talk about it. But then he's like, hey, let's go upstairs, Mom and Lena. Let's have a conversation about what's going on here. So he said, um, when you ask a question that you know the answer to, you, you think it. And so that answer is already in your head. So all anybody has to do is pluck it out of your head and use it. But he purposely thought of wrong answers or blanked her out and was like, it didn't work. So that's, you know, he was, this was his little investigation moment and he got his information. He was a shield like Bella. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I just keep trying to keep bringing Twilight into our episodes uh, just because I know it delights us both um, <laughs> ridiculously. Um, so we find out that there's, you know, um, the thing that they all start getting their notes, kind of comparing notes together in this moment, too, because Lena's like, wait, if all the things that she answered before were from the house and things that daddy had said in the house, that means everything we're talking about oh, right now is also being captured by whatever spirits are haunting this freaking place and have taken over Doris. Um, So, um, of course, Doris, in the midst of all this, looks all crazy. She's got those weird powers and she has the big, the great effect that's in this film is her jaw dropping and her eyes like going white um, and just looking again like a little bit like the canker man, Mm. (laughs) Um, you know, with the wide eyes and the the strange, uh, um, the the strange... uh, uh, a scale of face. Um, and we find out there's treasure in the walls and there's more going on um, within these walls and more about Marcus and what he got from the letter um, about the soldier um, who was from World War II who, um, who had gotten yeah brought back to this house. So yes, she, she takes Mikey uh, to show him the treasure in the walls as well. So we know that he is, and he looks trepidatious. We're like, dude, don't, there's no Mikey way, showed up. There's no way you, yeah, would, you would go with him that. Um, so, you know, concurrently while we're learning about that, we're also finding Mikey actually in the wall looking at the bag. But the the jur- Polish journal of, of Marcus is the camp survivor who comes to the USA and the devil's doctor who had experimented on him in a camp uh, takes him to that house and is, continues to experiment on him and other people in the basement. Uh, he, yeah, so there's a secret chamber in the basement that they end up that they're going to subsequently find. Um, that's kind of like through um, a uh, like uh, air shaft kind of thing that they have to crawl. That Father Tom crawls through to go find uh, Doris, and he's like, "If she's here, uh, I'm going to go find her." And they're like, "Don't. Why are we splitting up? Like, we should not split up." And Lena's like, "Hello." I was like, "Yes, Lena. Finally, somebody's speaking smarts." But she's like, "Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, you probably don't want to go down over there, but I'm going to go see if I can get her and try to fight back. Yeah, she knows that splitting up sounds like the stupidest idea, and it always it always mm -hmm. does. So we also learned that the doctor's uh, thing is that he likes to cut out vocal cords and seal mouths. So we, that is something we had he seen. He severed tongues and sealed lips. That's yes. what it talked about in the journal. So we, we had, um, there was a scene earlier we hadn't mentioned. There was a doll that was Lena's favorite doll that Doris had showed, sewed the mouth shut on. So this that is something that will be coming back around. Um, so Mikey, uh, yeah, poor Mikey. He's not going to make it. No. Um, so, you know, Doris turns and whispers in Mikey's ear and, you know, <laughs> uh, it's not going to go good. Um, after he's found all the IDs of all these dead people that are down there in that case and like all the kind of like, um, jewelry and things like that of things from the old, from the, all the people that this doctor experimented on. Yeah. He ends up, uh, uh, and they realized they had been playing in a graveyard. So one of the rules, again, from Luigi is never play in a graveyard. Yeah, they've been doing it this whole time. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so Doris goes in, he, he, Father Thomas goes in, he's hearing Doris's voices in the vents, uh, and he finds this secret room with a bunch of bodies in the, you know, skeletons in the wall. And it looks like you know, the, the torture chamber from hell, right? It's still got these terrible instruments that are all dusty laying there, and it looks terrible and you know the, the weight of old-timey doctor stuff like old-timey medical stuff like sure. from like you know the 40s it just looks bad sure it's and real bad. you're also a nazi doctor so that's going to be about the worst kind of doctor you it's can... a little frontiers awesome. little oh, frontiers. frontiers shout out for frontiers mm -hmm. you guys mm -hmm. haven't seen it that uh, french movie goes hard yeah. and has a, a a fucked up nazi plot and yes uh the torture is bad uh, they, so he said he. They said that God can't see this house. If he could, none of us would be here. Um, that's, that's what, what the spirit said. speaking out of Doris Marcus. Yeah. Um, and so then she possesses Father Thomas, who also kill almost kills uh, Mom, but he goes back in the basement, so he doesn't do that, and is tossed down the stairs and gets his head smushed all the way around, and he's dead. Oh, yeah, you, it's bad. Thomas. And he tries and he tried to use Jesus and he tries to say the 23rd Psalm, which is, yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It's my grandfather's favorite Psalm. Rest in peace. Um, but yeah, so it's just it's very sad. And he he's, he tries to use his religion to fight, but it's no use in this place. I like when that happens. I like when you mm -hmm. when you have this trope you think for sure is going to save you and it, and it sure doesn't. Yeah. And then mom tries to bargain with Marcus. She's like, okay, well, you can take me. Don't take my daughters. And they're like, okay. Then they're like, actually, we'll just take all of you. Thanks. And so uh, the real battle starts going down. Um, but then daddy all of a sudden is there to help um, mm -hmm. as well. So the spirit of daddy is there. Um, and um, he, she's like remembering like, oh, about the thing. Daddy's talking about, you know, sewing it up because you have to close it off this crazy spirit. So maybe this guy was actually trying to stop this spirit from continuing on. Who knows? Yes, yeah, so um, the doll, the doll sewing up was kind of a sign to her. We get uh, probably my favorite bit in the film is uh, where Lena wakes up in bed and sees the scene she was in earlier replay itself where she goes into Doris's room with the doll. Like the, the spirits are taking her back to show her what she needs to see from her past, which I think mm -hmm. is really cool. And it gave me that kind of Oculus feeling of like you're watching yourself doing something and then trying to figure out what that means. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, totally. So um, they're going to have a knockdown to drag out. And, you know, Doris is going to scream with her huge freaking mouth. And Lena's going to come and sew it up. Um, as they try to hack from beyond. So the monsters are trying to like use Doris's body and get out of her 
Um, and Doris wakes to her daddy, meaning he's she's probably deadsies now. Mm-hmm. Um, and mommy wakes to her with uh, with her mouth sewn shut and is freaks out. And Lena's like, I had to, I had to, I had to. But Lena's also now been uh, possessed. And it's one of those moments where uh, she's possessed, she stabs her mom. And then, of course, I feel like demons do this a lot. And I feel like it's such a demon move to be like, I'm going to make you do this. And then the second you've done it, I'm going to peace out. So now you can like take on the weight of what you just did. Now you have to deal with the aftermath. And then you also have no real recollection of what happened, but you see it. And mom is like, it was my fault. I, you know, I, I see, you know, Doris and daddy waiting. She's like in that kind of twilighty, like about to die kind of moment too. Um, and then we cut to a couple months later where Lena's picking up the pieces of her boyfriend who hung himself, her mom and sister who have been like sent killed. to the other world. Yeah. Um, but she stitched, you know, her little, little one's mouth shut and, you know, stabbed her mom. Um, but she can't remember, obviously, because her brain is like, and if what she does remember, if she, she knows if she says it, doesn't sound right. So I really um, like this performance of her when we see her again when she's in the mental institution because mm-hmm. she's clearly mixed up and she keeps like, what are we talking about? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Like she, she realizes she should be able to have this conversation and she can't do she it. she can't. And it's not. I feel like so many actors would go really hammy with this and like, I'm crazy now. And you're like, this isn't what that is at all. Like it's, it will probably turn into that. But at this moment, she's just kind of brains are a little scrambled. It's a little more possession, light, light possession in this moment where it's like, she's like stuck kind of in a loop. Um, but she's talking about how like, oh no, we were never alone though. Like we thought basically we tested it and we thought we were alone in that house, but we were actually never alone this whole time. Um, so she goes back up to her room after being in this session with the, the, you know, psychiatrist and she rips up this corner of her carpet and makes a Ouija board on the ground with her blood. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, builds her own little planchette with her hands and a, um, a little like eyeglass, like spectacle basically. Mm-hmm. And, um, wow. Wow. So, that goes hard. Yeah, She's going hard. I, I so like she... that. Mm-hmm. And so now we know that like things are going to keep going on. And, uh, there was a very meaningful shot of her turning into, uh, the character she will become in the next Ouija board movie. I imagine, although I haven't seen it, so I can't say, but I was like, that's it. Okay. Now they're going, this is the connection between the movies. And I go, okay. If I ever watch the other one, I will now understand. And maybe it will make me like that movie better. I don't know. Um, So anywho, so yeah, so the doc walks by the room and it's like, he thinks he sees, he's like, uh, he thinks he sees two people in there. And all of a sudden he walks back and it's just like freaking, you know, Lena's face staring at him. But then all of a sudden we as the um, audience see a little Doris uh, ghost kind of walking across the ceiling Mm -hmm. up next to him. And then we're at the end of the movie. And how do we survive this film? Uh, don't play Ouija alone. Well, follow the, follow the rules, right? Follow the rules. But also, they kind of thought they were following the rules-ish. They never did say goodbye, which is a, a miss right there. Sure. But they didn't know they were playing in a graveyard till sure. later. And that one's understandable. But not playing by yourself and not saying goodbye are, are easily done. Um, and they were yeah. a miss. Uh, I wouldn't say never play Ouija because I like Ouija. Um, I think following the rules, like especially, you just don't know if you're on a graveyard ever, though. That's the problem. That's true. You the whole do. planet's a freaking graveyard. That's the problem. <laughs> that's very, that's very, very true. <laughs> <laughs> you can never be a hundred percent on that one rule. That's the thing. So, yes. but it's also a a game, 
a game and it, it feels so it felt so funny the movie was over it's like based on the game by hasbro this is it's so strange like the- i know and the credits are all like ouija board ouija board ouija board so you're just like okay you guys are just tempting fate out here uh doing these credits making it look like a ouija board the whole time well we do like rules on this show and how you survive so this movie gave you the rules straight up front we like that and uh i would like to play ouija board with mike flanagan that would be fun uh, yeah dude Mike, if you're listening, I don't know, but we love you. We'd love to have you on the show. Um, AK also play some like Ouija board with you. So putting it out there into the universe. We love you. Um, let's do some gore factor. May I gore you? Please. I gore you. Um, one, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two, puddle of blood. Three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four, bathtub of blood. Five, run for the barf bag. We give this movie a three. Um, there's enough blood to gross out the average viewer. It's not a heck ton of blood, but when she makes that Ouija board out of her own blood, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. some pretty good blood. I like it. Uh, the movie mm-hmm. rating are chainsaws. One, if you're desperate. Two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seem worse, seem better. Four, not too shabby. And five, fantastical. I gave this movie a four and a half. You give me some Mike Flanagan, set it in the 60s. Give me some Ouija board, some Q marks, some Father Thomas's, Tom, Henry Thomas's fucking priest. Yes, please. Julia, love that sexy priest. I give this movie a four. I love it. Um, it is terrifying and beautiful. And that little child saying "Good night, Romeo" was worth the price of admission for me right there. <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, I love an evil child, and she's very good at it. Um, even though she's so sweet, because it's like not her evil. It's just sure. that possession, right? Evil child can go either way, though. I feel like sometimes yeah. they go too far with it, and I feel like I don't, yeah. I don't really buy it. But I feel like this one, his casting again, as we said, is is always spot on, and he's able to, especially with child actors, find really, really incredible ones. So yeah. thank you for listening to uh, us talk about uh, this film. We would love to talk to you about this film, about any of my planning of its films, any horror movies, whatever you like. Where can they find us, Terry Gamble? On the internet. Hey guys, you can find us at Horror Movie Survival Guide all over the internet for your pleasure. You can also find us um, at our Patreon slash Horror Movie Survival Guide um, at our Teespring store to get some fabulous merch. Um, we're going to continue um, with Mike Flanagan. We have one more Flanagan for those who are hardcore and know our catalog. You can probably figure out what's last um, coming up um, as we finish out our Flanagan round real soon. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us and we appreciate your support of our independently produced show. Um, with our amazing uh, Sierra and Julia. I love you. Yeah, um, best I love you both so much. Oh. That's what friends are for. Oh my gosh. And, so cool. And as we learned from the rules, you always got to say goodbye. So we're saying goodbye. goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening. Horror Movie Survival Guide is independently produced by Terry Gamble, Julia Marchesi, and Sierra Ryan. Hey, that's me. If you would like to support the show, find us on patreon.com slash horror movie survival guide.